And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, DC Matthews, and the unendorsed Doc Manson. It's National Cookie Day! Yay! Did you know that, Doc? Did you know that it is National Cookie Day? I had no idea that it was National Cookie Day. Thank you for brightening my day by giving me that one piece of information. Now I will go and find a collection of cookies upon which to snarf, and my day will be complete. With that, folks, we're going to talk more about cookies in just a minute. But I'd like to welcome you to DDT Wrestling, your weekly conversational show where Doc Manson, at Doc Manson, and myself, DC Matthews, at DC Matthews NAI, we talk about wrestling, we talk about food, we talk about uh, other stuff, but it's National Cookie Day. So, Doc, I have a question for you. Yes, what's that? What is your favorite cookie ever? Like... Commercial cookie or like homemade cookie or I will leave it up to you to make that distinction. You could separate them into categories. We have an Oscar siding, have an Oscar siding, Oscar yes, Oscar yes, Oscar yes. Hi Oscar. Well let me think here. I'm not gonna say that these are my favorite cookies of all time based on taste. But when we were kids I don't know if you remember this, but I remember very vividly there was a commercial. I think it used to play all the time, Saturday morning cartoons. I think I've got a VHS tape of like the real Ghostbusters, and this commercial has got to be on there. Um, there was a cookie, and oh god, you are making sorry. all sorts of noise. Okay, sorry folks, back on schedule here. There's this cookie, If I don't know if you remember the commercial, but... Let me describe the cookie first. I think they were uh, basically Oreos, <coughs> the same like chocolate cookie, and I think they also had like a vanilla cookie flavor. But then on the cookie itself, the gimmick was there were faces. There was like happy faces, smiley faces, cry faces. And I just remember like uh, it was this commercial where this little girl was looking at her cookies and all the faces they were making at her just made her giggle. She was laughing so hard. And her brother thought it was, like, the weirdest thing in the world. And, anyways, they were, like, these knockoff Oreo things. And I don't know if they were really any good or if they were as good as Oreos or not. But I remember that commercial very fondly uh, from my childhood. So, I think they might have been called Giggles or something like that. Playing off of what the sister was doing. I don't even know. But it was... I, I, think, I think if I have to look back nostalgically, that's the one cookie that I, I think of from my childhood. How about yourself? No, you can't see. I think I know what you're talking about. I Googled it. <clears throat> and there's a chocolate one and a vanilla one, and they have a smiley face. They are, right, called, yeah. they are called Giggles. That's I've, them. I've never heard of that before in my life. Yeah, uh, they were like an Oreo knockoff. They were only around for a few years. I mean, the elusive sort of... So you know, you're, you're telling me that is the best cookie you've ever had, is a Giggle cookie? No, uh, no, but I mean, I, I definitely, when I think back to my childhood, like, that's the one that stands out to me just because I remember that commercial and I just remember thinking, oh man, that's gotta be great. Faces on cookies. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, in terms But that's, I mean, that's not what I asked you. I asked you what your favorite cookie is. Well, excuse me for adding a little bit of background and context and color 
to the DDT podcast. I thought we could talk about anything. I thought this was a conversational show. I didn't think I had to answer your questions directly. I haven't been doing that since day one. And you know it. What's your what? favorite cookie? My favorite cookie is that it's a tie. Okay, they're don't both, keep me in suspense. <clears throat> they're both the uh, chocolate chip variety, and uh, my dad and Mrs. Matthews both make truly excellent chocolate chip cookies. We've talked about this on the show before. We have. But you give the edge to your father. I do. I do. Because he's been making cookies longer. In, you know, 35 years, my wife might have better cookies. That sounded awkward for a minute. It sure uh, did. As for the commercial cookie, that's a harder one for me. Uh, I don't like particularly dry cookies, so Milano's are out. Oreos are always good, uh, but that's almost a separate category unto itself. I'm not sure this really counts, but if I had to go commercial, my favorite cookie... Again, I, lo- I use the term cookie loosely. I, I know they're in the cookie aisle, so I, therefore I'm going to say it's a cookie, but honestly, Malamars are fantastic and barely cookies. I had a I I have college students who come into my classroom uh, to apparently learn how to be teachers. I don't know if they actually get anything out of it, but that's why they're there. Uh, one of them shared a Malamar with me. It might have been the first time I've ever had one. What a terrible cookie! We're breaking up. <laughs> I, it's like the marshmallow was fine, but there wasn't enough chocolate. It was kind of the cookie itself was very dry. It's I, dark chocolate <laughs> with some sweetness in the marshmallow, with a nice crunch from the cookie that crumbles a bit. It's a contrasting cookie. It's for a refined palate, you cod. I don't have a refined palate. You've known me for a long time. I'm I'm as humdrum. As Did you I mean can to say get. cad? Cod, no, cad. You can I, be both. I'm a fish, apparently. You're a perch. But it is National Cookie Day, so I hope you've had a cookie or two today. Yeah, uh, you know, Mrs. Manson makes some good cookies also. Uh, Around the holidays, I I, I have trouble nailing it down to a favorite cookie because there's all sorts of cookies. Look, if I had to go all-time favorite, okay, a homemade chocolate chip cookie, plain and simple, done. But that's boring. I can't go on a show and say that's my favorite cookie, even if it is. Um, I'll tell you the cookie I hate. Oatmeal raisin. Terrible. Just don't do it. Raisins don't go in cookies. You want to make me an oatmeal cookie, all right, I guess, as long as you're going to put that white frosting on it. That, you know, is tolerable. Or you want to put some chocolate chips in your oatmeal cookie, okay, you know, I might listen to that. But raisin oatmeal cookies, forget it. You might as well just throw them away. Garbage. What do you think about just plain sugar cookies? No frosting, just the cookie itself. Oh, now we're getting to some areas. Okay, a plain sugar cookie can be good, but I always feel like it's lacking something. Um, So let me ask you this. What do you think about... Now, this is, again, going back refined palate, so you probably are going to tell me this is all garbage. What do you think about, like, a nice almond paste cookie, like an Italian cookie? You know how it has, like, that almond, almost cherry-like flavor? Ever had an Italian cookie? I have. I grew up in a very Italian, Sicilian even family, so we had Italian cookies all the time. They're really good if there are literally no other cookies around, and if your legs are broken so you can't drive to the (laughs) store to get other cookies. Those rainbow Italian cookies are the bomb. They got like a chocolate outside, and there's like a green, yellow, and red interior. You know what I'm talking about? Those are delicious. 
I do. I like the green leaf cookies with the chocolate kind okay. of in the middle. Those are I'm good. With you. They're not bad. They're not bad. <clears throat> but I obviously, if I don't like Malamars, I want a cookie that is. Here's a cookie. Sorry. Here's a cookie I know you're going to hate that I love. A good anise cookie. My dad makes those, and he he tries to he he tries to trick me by putting like glaze and little sprinkles on oh, they're them. They're so good. Well, you can think that. I, I they would, are. I they're delicious. <clears throat> I would rather eat a. I hate licorice. I would rather eat an oatmeal raisin cookie than an anise cookie. Oh, I'd rather have the anise all day long. You can tell your father to send some anise cookies my way. Oh Doc, my lord, Doc Manson. All about the anise. I do. I like anise cookies a lot. And the other thing I was going to say, I started saying it before and I got off topic, holiday cookies. Uh, Mrs. Manson makes these gingerbread cookies with butterscotch chips in them. Oh. And they are awesome. I didn't think I was going to like them, but there's a nice contrast. The spicy, the sweet, it goes together very well, and they are delicious. That sounds good. That sounds good. My dad makes ginger snaps, which he used to make when I was a kid. Wasn't a huge fan, would eat them if there were no other cookies in the house. But I gotta tell you, now that I'm grown up, my palate has refined slightly. Ginger snap cookies. Okay. Those are good. Those are good. All right. How about a good old fashioned? I mean, in the name, it's not a cookie per se, but I'd say it's a cookie. Animal crackers, huh? Good old fashioned animal crackers? Those are delicious. I like animal crackers. Do you bite the heads off? Do you kill them, or do you take your time, like, biting the limbs off first in a sadistic way? I go back and forth. I would say the first one, I go straight for the head, and then I start to take my time and I start removing the limbs. But that might be because I'm a sociopath. Don't you find that each individual animal shape has its own uh, flavor palette kind of breath of, you know, you get a little bit... When you bite into a zebra animal cracker, you you can taste the contrast of the stripes. I'm, I'm totally... Man, rhino tastes so good. Give me rhino all day long. Rhino and some anise cookies. That's Speaking what you of get rhino, did you watch DVD NXT? <laughs> uh, let's go there. That wasn't how I was going to take this to start off the show. I did, although rhino hasn't been on. No, we saw hasn't. We saw cowboy James Storm, who I guess realized that NXT was taped, so decided to actually you know get in shape to be in the match. He looked much better than he did before. Yeah, he uh, looked all right. I really enjoyed Adam Rose's entrance. Did you like that? It was kind of real quiet, and he just kind of... He he came out like he was going to do the party thing, and then he, like, cut it off like he was going to... Like he was a conductor and just walked to the ring really slowly. I know he's, you know, gone on Twitter and tried to promote himself, which never works, folks. Please don't promote yourself on Twitter if you're a WWE employee. It rarely, if ever, works. Um... But I kind of dug what he was doing. I don't think it's ever going to work. He can't be the party pooper... That's the gimmick's not going to work, but he showed me a serious side that I'm intrigued by. Yeah, so um, it looks to be like a bit rate Damian Sandow to some degree, however, and I'd rather just have Damian Sandow back with that gimmick. But I know creative feels that Damian Sandow is boring, so that's unlikely to happen. But yeah, I don't know. I thought there was some something interesting there, and Lord knows he needs to move on from the party gimmick if Adam Rose is ever going to be anything remotely close to a serious competitor ever again. So I really thought Damien they were going to do something, the whole Mizdow thing, I, you know, and then the Andre the Giant Battle Royal was kind of anticlimactic cuz then he got eliminated by the Big Show, but I really had high hopes and that might be the last time I remember seeing him on television is at WrestleMania. 
Yeah, pretty much. He, uh... They had him doing that gimmick with, uh... Ah, Mr. Perfect's non-charismatic black hole of the sun there. And then the Hogan stuff went down. And oh, that's right. He was Macho Mandow. I completely blanked yeah, that out. Yeah. That wasn't was, a very good... That was that was all sorts of awful right there. Yeah. That's what that was. Mizdow uh, ended. He got to come out as himself once. And that was... That was it. Man, now I'm depressed. I was really excited to talk about cookies, and now we talked about wrestling... And I'm depressed. That's it, everyone. Have we can a, talk more about cookies. It's have fine. a lovely week. Do you like Hydrox? Have you ever had a Hydrox cookie? Mm, I don't think so. What about Soft Batch? Like a soft cookie? I believe it's an actual brand name of Soft Batch cookies. It was, you know, they made uh, Oreos and Chips Ahoy, which are hard cookies. And so they decided to come out with a, a softer variety and they called it soft batch i think uh, i'm not sure uh what about mrs fields like what about like a mall cookie you know a uh high-end mall cookie the size of your face if i'm gonna get food from a mall stand i'm getting a soft pretzel that's, that's fair that's i mean fair. when i would say now looking at mrs fields like those cookies got smaller when i was a kid maybe i just got you know grown up but i remember those things being Biggest dinner plates and those sugar cookies with the M and M's. Those are still my go-to when I when I have to get some mall grub. That's... I just I just remembered what the best cookie of all time is. What's that? Uh, Keebler, the elf with the chocolate frosting in. The oh, mouth. El Fudge. I believe you and the I. The double used to... stuff El Fudge. Double stuffed El Fudge and wavy lays. That was what we bought in bulk when Doc Manson and I shared an apartment. Yeah, we, uh, we are tubby, tubby men. Not, well, we're better. We're, 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 st- <laughs> we're better. I'm just going to say, we're better, and we probably have... I our- remember you sitting down with double-stuffed EL fudge and dipping them into vats of Nutella. <laughs> I apologize oh, if DC Baptist's parents are listening, because they're going to shake their heads in shame upon hearing that revelation, I think. But uh, that was yeah, so good. you're not wrong. That was delicious. So good, and that's delicious. why I don't. That's why I don't like all of these other cookies. I I I want my sweetness to punch me in the face, and that's that's what I want. Uh, you know who wants to be punched in the face, Doc? Uh, Who's that? DC. Uh, uh, apparently, Sheamus, our world heavyweight champion, wants to be punched in the face because uh, he keeps trying to get under the skin of Roman Reigns, master of the Superman punch. Uh, we saw a little bit of that on on Raw. I'm not going to gloat too much about the League of Nations, my my dream stable coming to fruition, despite the fact that it's very monochromatic. Uh, I'm still celebrating. It's not quite World Elite Josh Petrie out there, Josh Petrie, but it is It is as close as I think we're going to get. What did you think of the whole League of Nations thing? Uh, I thought it was just fine. Okay, um, so we talked about this a little bit last week. We, you know, we were saying so a lot of people were coming off of Raw on the show and being sort of displeased with what was going on. Uh, we, I kind of came to the point of saying, well, it's not who we wanted, but... We got renewed pushes for a bunch of guys that we'd like to actually see go somewhere. And now solidifying that into an actual stable, yeah, I'm all about it. And I don't know how you can say it's monochromatic. I mean, you've got the three members of New Day in there as well as uh, Alberto Del Rio, sorry. 
Got uh, some uh, marbles in my mouth there. But, uh, you know, I, there there's a fair representation of different uh, cultures. No? There's... Uh, Africa, Mexico, North America. Africa. Uh, well, isn't uh, Kofi from... Uh, where's he from? He's from Ghana, but is New Day uh, really a part of that stable? Uh, they said they were uh, as of the main event, right? They, they seem ju- they seem to be like adjacent to, and I suppose that does offer a bit of <clears throat> more. You know, Kofi is from Ghana, and they all are African Americans, so I suppose that's true. Again, but in love- all fairness, a League of <clears throat> Nations would just involve most of the you know quote unquote allied nations, so even that sort of makes sense, except for Mexico. But you know. I I enjoy the League of Nations. I'm excited to see Rusev doing something that matters. Uh, Barrett seems to be like the first line of defense. He's kind of the guy that gets beat up first. You know, I don't even think he was in that crazy seven on four match all that much. Uh, what I wanted to mention though, a couple of things about Raw is I felt like it was two different shows put together. Raw opens with Sheamus in a suit. The Mohawk slicked back. He kind of gave me that Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 vibe where he's dancing and pointing at people. And he gets his groove on with New Day. And in and of itself, I found that entertaining. And then Rusev comes out with Lana. They do their whole engagement thing, uh, which was, again, better than the love rhombus, so I'm okay with that. And then right around the halfway mark, now we get Sheamus, Mohawk, world champion, Rusev, his right-hand man, and it was like they ignored everything that happened in the beginning of the show. I guess you could say the same for Alberto Del Rio. He wrestles Gold Dust in a kind of meh match with Zeb Coulter and then comes out on his own. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, are we supposed to assume that this is all different dimensions of their character? You know, Lana didn't come out for the main event. Now, granted, she was hurt, supposedly. Zeb Coulter didn't come out for the main event. Did you see a, a kind of dichotomy there between the beginning and the middle, or the beginning and the end of the show? Or am I? I think just... you're ju- I think all you're really saying is that people in this main event are involved in their own individual feuds as well as being part of the stable. And I don't see any problem with that. They got their own things going on in addition to being, you know, major players in this new main event stable. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I didn't think it was strange. No. Okay. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but it just seemed like we got lovey-dovey Rusev, and then all of a sudden, you know, he comes out and he's totally serious, and it just felt odd. Yeah, don't get me wrong. We never (laughs) usually see that. Usually everybody's just involved in one thing, and that's it for six weeks on end, right? One thing at a time. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, honestly, in the interest of having more rounded characters, I I don't really see any reason why they can't have personal interests as well as a collective interest. Layers, like an onion. I suppose that's true. We do have some more complex storytelling. Uh, A lot of people got all over Monday Night Raw because they had a whole lot of talents working two matches. You know, the Ursos, I think, wrestled twice. Um, Del Rio wrestled twice. Sheamus and Reigns technically wrestled twice. I didn't have a huge problem with that. You know, I didn't think it was the end of the world that these guys all wrestled two times. So... Uh, you know, it. you've got a whole lot of injuries. You've got a whole lot of low-card people. You know, you're not going to see uh, Damian Sandow or Curtis Axel. Hi, Mrs. Manson. How are you? Uh, so, 
I, I didn't see that as a big deal. Again, and you, you might be right. Maybe I should look at this. Instead of saying, wow, it's weird to see two different sides of them, perhaps I should celebrate that. Thank you, Doc Manson, for teaching me a little more positivity. You just need to be more open to other ideas. I suppose that's true. Uh, I'll, then let me say this. Speaking of being open to new ideas, I watched a, a Divas segment from start to finish, and can I tell you... It was excellent. Which segment was that? Paige, Charlotte, Becky, that whole kind of complicated story. I thought that was truly very good storytelling. Now, I wrote an article a few weeks ago about how the Eva Marie Bailey match was some amazing storytelling. This wasn't quite to that level, but there was some good storytelling going on there. Paige kind of talking to Becky, speaking the truth. Again, Paige really hasn't said anything wrong this entire time. You've got Becky Lynch torn between two people. She's, you know, she's friendly with Charlotte and Paige has betrayed her, but Paige all of a sudden is talking sense. Charlotte cheats to win the match, which I thought was great. I, I really enjoyed that segment. So what did you yeah, think good, about it? Good storytelling. Um, I think it's interesting how Becky Lynch is once again being used as the bit player in this feud. Uh, I don't know if people are going to hate me for that or not, but this feud is about Charlotte and Paige. Becky's just caught in the middle. Um, So, again, I think that's a good spot for Becky. I don't think her character is strong enough. I don't think she's a strong enough talker to necessarily uh, lead something on her own. So, I don't know. I think it's working very well. I think they're playing to everybody's strengths. And I do like the new development with Charlotte not being the pure good girl that you think she is mm-hmm. i'm going out on a limb my prediction hashtag prediction for tlc is we're going to see a triple threat ladder match it's going to be Paige versus charlotte versus becky and maybe becky is kind of the the afterthought bit player in this but i think she's going to you know i think at some point she's going to attack Paige, attack charlotte and maybe this will be when becky lynch becomes her own person and isn't just the sidekick so yeah, I, i'm optimistic I I'm not optimistic that ever happens for Becky, but I think it's going to be a good match, and I think it's going to be a good feud. I enjoy the storytelling that's going on now. It makes a lot of sense. Paige is speaking truth, even if it is stuff that, you know, maybe some people don't want to hear. Mm. Are you excited for TLC S? Because uh, we're you know, I, I don't I, you, I don't I don't care. You know we're getting a Ryback versus Rusev stairs match. It's going to be fantastic. You know that's going to happen. It's going to be good. Love it. As soon as they ran into the stairs and Lana fell over, I went, oh, God. Oh, God, they're doing another stairs match. I I can't wait. You you have the world's number of gimmick matches, and you go with a – I don't even know how a stairs match works. Ryback, I thought, came out and had a – he spoke on the way to the ring this week, correct? You know I don't watch Ryback. Oh, well, it was good. So, poo on you. Lots of people out there saying that, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit. We're not getting into it right now. We're talking about different uh, awards categories. Somebody asked about worst match. I said I don't really retain that kind of information. And somebody was like, oh, just watch any of Ryback's matches. And frankly, man, if you think Ryback is putting on the worst matches of the year, you get, you're... I don't care. You're just you're just you're burying your head in the sand, man. If you remember back a couple of months, Ryback and Big Show had a good match. If they can have a good match, 
if he, if Ryback can have a good match with the Big Show, that means he can't be completely untalented. And in fact, he had a very good series of matches with Kevin Owens. So I I don't know. I just think you're crazy if you really think that he's that bad of a wrestling talent. I'm not saying he's you know the next Bret Hart. He's not an in ring general. But in terms of a big guy doing powerful moves, he's fine. He is perfectly serviceable. Fine. So he's Baron Corbin with more no. muscles. Baron Corbin is terrible. You can say tall and tolerable if you want, but I still think he's terrible. But he had a good match with Samoa Joe. I imagine he's going to have a good match with Apollo Crews uh, at TakeOver. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think those were good Matches. We'll see, I guess. I think Ryback's matches were better than Baron Corbin's matches. Well, I think that might be true. I, I Ryback is a can be a fine wrestler when he has someone to work with. Hey, no way. Stop that. He had a good match with Big Show, and Big Show he is can a Hall a of Famer. Match. Big Show is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but he's not going out of his way and putting on five-star matches. He's just not. No, but he's a 20- Most people, when you hear the community, most people on the community can say, Oh, Big Show, oh, retire, going to turn this match off. He's so boring. You can give him credit, and I would give him some credit, too. I do think the Big Show is very talented and a Hall of Famer. He's doing things at this point in his career he shouldn't be doing. Given his size, he's amazing, given what other people of his size have done. Like, I do agree with that, but the general consensus is he's garbage. And But the general I, consensus is wrong. All right, Big well, I'm with that. Big Show isn't terrible. Should he retire? Yeah, because he's been doing this for 20 years, and... It's time for somebody else to have that spot. But has he been a bad wrestler in 2015? No. He had a good match with Roman Reigns, whatever it was when the table went on him, the last man standing match or whatever that one was. He's had great matches with Ryback and with The Miz. He does just fine. And he is the ring general. He's been wrestling for 20 years. He knows exactly what he's capable of doing and what his opponent is capable of doing. So he was able to help Ryback get to a quality very quality match. Is Ryback a bad wrestler? No. Do I think that Ryback had the worst match of 2015? No. I don't know if I could think of what the worst match of 2015 was. But it wasn't Ryback. So, I agree with you on that. But I will say that Ryback has had a lot of help in these good matches, which is what you want for your younger guys. And Ryback is a younger guy. He hasn't been doing this for that long. So, I will agree with you there who has been doing this for a very long time, are the Dudley Boys. And one Thomas Dreamer. Did you... Tommy! Did you have a mark-out moment when Tommy Dreamer made his way to the ring? No, I did not. Uh, I I don't know if I'm capable of having mark-out moments anymore. And it certainly is not going to pop for Tommy Dreamer. I love... Tommy Dreamer. I think he was a fantastic uh, face in ECW. I did mark out when he returned for the revived ECW brand. I loved his um, hardcore sort of stuff that he did in TNA, and I believe I definitely had mark out moments then. But at this point, yeah, it's not like I was expecting to see Tommy Dreamer, but when somebody comes out and, oh, hey, it's Tommy Dreamer at this point, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, right, Tommy Dreamer. I still like Tommy Dreamer a lot, don't get me wrong, but he's 
past. Look, I'm just going to say, he's past his prime. He's not going to ever do anything you don't, of note in WWE you, again. You don't need to hedge your bets when you say that. I think he, of all people, would be the first to admit, yeah, I'm past my prime. Yes, so. absolutely. He's, he's, um, he's I'm, am I happy to see him back? Yes, I am. I think he's a great character. I like what he does. He has something new, some new flavor, whatever. But um, in terms of what he's going to do, he's going to come back. He's going to be this big guy, big tough guy with the uh, kendo sticks, and he's going to bleed and he's going to lose matches. That's all Tommy Dreamer does. Do you think and that's fine. Do you think there'll be blood? Yes. But this is a PG show. How can you Whatever. have blood on a PG show? People bleed all the time. All the time. How do you Brock? feel about how do you feel about the 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 rumors that USA Network is pushing for WWE to get edgier? Do you put any stock into that? I don't know if I put any stock into it, but they are getting edgier. People online now are saying the PG era, the PG era. I don't know why they're still saying the PG era. The PG era was like the heyday of John Cena in The Marine. You know what I mean? Like, that was the PG era. I don't think we're in the PG era anymore. Brock Lesnar comes back, and, I mean, even um, Roman Reigns the other night was saying something about this bitch up in here. Like... I don't think that any of that is PG era anymore. I think we're in, as I've been saying for a while, the reality era. I think we left the PG era all in the dust a while ago. At this point, I think we we definitely are in more of a PG-13 era. Yeah, they're not necessarily doing the bleeding stuff yet, but people are on that show occasionally dropping some colorful language that, you know, I don't think is really PG anymore. I think you you might have a point. You know, I don't think in the PG era you're going to abduct Undertaker or Kane. You know, you're not going to be dragging them off through the smoke. I know there wasn't anything truly, you know, sinister about that. There wasn't any grotesque violence or overt violence. But there was some, you know, there were some undertones there. Uh, so I think you might be right. I think the PG era is fading away to to a serious extent. But I don't. I also don't think that there's going to be, you know, Tommy Dreamer might bleed, and maybe it won't be an accident. But I don't think we're going to see the crimson mask that we're used to. Yeah, I don't know that we're at that point yet either. But I mean, think about like the Brock um, Undertaker feud and them flipping each other off in the ring. That's not PG. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. been these moments breaking. If you if you want to say we're still in the PG era, with I, which I disagree, but if you want to say that, we've definitely had moments that have broken out of the quote-unquote uh, PG sort of era. So I definitely think we're moving in that direction, regardless of whatever rumors there are about USA Network. I hadn't heard those, but whatever those are, I think that's happening regardless of what uh, might be happening there. Well, and if you go back 20 years, you know, when Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the King of the Ring and says Austin 316 said, I just whipped your ass, that was a big deal. It was a big deal that he said that phrase and used those words on WWF programming. That wasn't how it was done. And then all of a sudden, things started slowly changing from there, and it took a while to reach that peak. So maybe that's where we're at right now. I maybe- mean, you think about it. If somebody came out on Raw tomorrow and said, just quoted that. Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. I mean, Seamus basically said, I whipped your arse. I mean, it's not ass, but he said arse. He said the exact same thing basically on Monday night. Um, is that a big deal? Have you bought- is that a big deal these days? No. no, it's not. Have you bought your Seamus 515 shirt yet? No, but I want to. I People were like, I That was clever. I, can't I thought believe, that was good. I can't believe that's a shirt. And I'm like, 
that's what's so great about it is they took something kind of dumb but kind of genius at the same time and they're going to sell a couple thousand of those shirts absolutely and make you know 50,000 bucks on a dumb rip off of a you know 20 year old slogan but yeah I, I like I like what Seamus is doing I do so let me see did I miss anything here <clears throat> anything I'm missing from Raw off the top of your head that you can think of no, so, Sasha Banks won. That's that's nice. Yeah, great. She did a thing. Maybe someday they'll actually deliver. Um, you want to talk about why Raw, um, why Raw's ratings are down? Is because they're not giving us reasons to watch. They want to sit there all day and tell us that oh, you're gonna love Roman Reigns and oh, we're gonna keep Sasha Banks in the wings. I mean, that's the reason why people aren't watching because the actual fans of the show aren't being shown what they want to be seen. Now, again, I don't think the ratings matter, but I don't really need to talk about that again on this show. But I do think, you know, when you talk about why people aren't watching the show, it's because there's no reason to. We know that the story from now to WrestleMania is all about Roman Reigns. And nobody, I'm sorry, there is a proponent of the audience that wants that. But for the most part, most of the wrestling community, the fans who really talk about this stuff, they're not behind Roman Reigns. They're not going to be behind Roman Reigns. There's no story you can tell that's going to get us behind Roman Reigns. And so when you think about these are the most vocal people on the internet who don't like Roman Reigns, well, now start thinking about who are the most vocal people talking up your product. Who are the people who are telling their friends about what they're watching on Monday nights? If you've got an entire group of people who are doing nothing but complaining about the show that you're putting on, do you think they're going to tell their friends that they should start watching this program? No, of course not. So, of course, your ratings are going to go in the toilet, right? I mean, you have to actually give the fans what they want if you expect people to watch your show. At least, that's my opinion. I agree. I agree. I do think that, you know, uh, I don't want to talk about the ratings. Again, I'm going to just say again. They don't matter. They don't. They like don't, you they talk don't matter, about, they don't matter as much. And I don't want to get into all. Actually, of that there there is one thing I want to mention here. Look at there's different metrics available now. Nielsen ratings are the ratings that everybody talks about, right? And those are in the toilet right now. But then you look at Nielsen's other ratings. They have other metrics now. They have like what they call Twitter TV ratings. And what they're looking at is like the amount of engagement with the product while that show was on the air. WWE Monday Night Raw is like. It's it's like number seven for the entire week. And it's like number three on Monday nights. Like, they have extremely engaged audiences talking about their product. You look at their YouTube channel, they have the most views out of any channel on YouTube in like the month of August, September, October. They have viewers. They're just looking at the product in different ways now. You, I mean, people were talking about, oh, the WWE Network, it's a big failure and stuff. And I wrote an article a long time ago on the number two contenders when we were only at like 500,000 subscribers where I said, listen, everybody's talking about how these numbers are in the toilet and that sucks, but actually they've already succeeded and they have. You want to talk about how the WWE lost all their like TV money going into like that 2011, 2012 when they had to renew their TV deals. Remember they cut down their, their downside guarantees doing like a hundred million dollars. Their, their profits were like a third of what they used to be with the TV deals. Guess what? 
They've made all of that up with their current subscriptions, and their TV deals have recovered in those years. They're almost double what they were at that all from what they were at that all-time low in like 2011. Their TV deals and advertisement revenue have basically doubled or maybe even tripled if you look at the actual numbers, and they're at like 1.2 subscribers on the network. If they get to 1.3 million subscribers, they will peak profits higher than their heyday of like and we're talking like 2010 like 20 2008 20, 2010 like the, everybody who thinks this company is dying is sadly mistaken they lost a lot of money for several years there because they invested money into the infrastructure for the network and it's paying back dividends now um the ratings don't matter. They're doing very well. And if you think that the ratings are in the toilet and it's quote-unquote a dumpster fire, as I think somebody said this week, I'm sorry, but you have to do a separate analysis and look at this again. This company is doing just fine. Sorry. Back to you, DC. No, that was great. I, I switched. the I, I've hated for the last, well, as long as we've been doing this this way, that I'm backlit. So I feel like I'm always in shadow, so you can't see my great facial expressions. So while you were doing that, I turned on this light, and I turned that one off, so now I'm front lit. I sent a tweet. I got a drink. That that was that was fantastic. I hate you. <clears throat> no, but you don't, because you really enjoyed saying all of those things. I did enjoy saying those things, so feel free to send me some hate. You're not going to get any hate, because <clears throat> are the traditional ratings low Yes. Does that mean less people are watching professional wrestling? No. We have no way... It, it, the, this world, this social, social media YouTube world... They is, have 1.2 million subscribers on the network, and they haven't even launched in Japan yet. Or Germany. Sorry, Marcus, if you're listening. At WCW Lion, I believe is your name. You were complaining earlier that WWE Network isn't in uh, Germany, which is a crying shame, really. But, uh, yeah, they're just fine. And regardless, let's move on here. Let's move on here. Uh, let's see. Um, you didn't respond to this tweet I sent a few days ago, and I'm bitter about it. Uh, I don't believe... I think on Wednesday night... Uh, Nobody in the world wanted to be a punching bag more than Doc Manson. Did you enjoy Asuka's little... It was fine. I mean, again, she clearly, um, you know, is working on her English. But she she came around that body bag, she had that facial expression, and, oh man, once again, man... She is going to be a star in that division as long as creative and management doesn't get cold feet about her being a foreign talent with, you know, speaking with an accent. She's She is a once-in-a-generation kind of talent. WWE won't drop the ball. And I know a lot of people will be like, hey, let me list some other people they've dropped the ball on. They can't. She's too good. She is just too good. I wanted to go back to something we talked about a while earlier. Um, you talked about how you, you don't mark out anymore. Uh, just so we... I don't want to argue semantics with you, but can you tell me what you define as a mark out moment or marking out? Hmm. I mean, for me, marking out is just when I see somebody come back to the ring and I go, Oh my God, it's blank. And like having that honest to God sort of impression of this is revelatory. This is going to mean big things. This could really be the thing that puts the company over the top. This is exactly what the product needed. 
that doesn't happen anymore. I would I marked out for the last time in TNA when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff showed up, and you know what that did for their ratings? Sent them into the toilet. Like if. Every time, like TNA is the thing that I think got, that broke me of that. You talk about Kurt Angle showing up. You talk about um, Christian Cage. You talk about, I think I already said Kurt Angle. Uh, but they had a series of people who showed up. Paul Cogan, Sting, Nutflair. Yes, absolutely. None of those names did anything for their ratings. Matt Morgan. None of it, none of it made any difference for that company. Uh, so I don't think a name necessarily does anything. Can I be excited about a guy being like, oh, yeah, great, good to see him again. But, you know, my favorite guys are all guys who are going to come back and not do anything. Tommy Dreamer's one of them. RVD's another one. Those are guys who I'm excited to see. They're going to put on some good matches. But nowhere in my brain am I ever going to have that thing of being like, oh, yeah, they are going to really make it. They are going to be the guy that makes everything make sense it's just it just doesn't work that way anymore. It just doesn't. So uh, I can be excited to see guys, absolutely, but mark out in terms of really thinking it's a game changer and being super like invested that way. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't see that as being a thing I I really feel anymore. Uh, so how about you? What do you define a mark out moment as? Uh, I have a very different definition from you. Uh, I consider a markout moment to be something that is either very surprising or very exciting or it could be game-changing, but I, I don't limit... Let me my- put it this way. If it had been Spike Dudley that had come out instead of Tommy Dreamer, I would have been way more excited just because this is a guy who I haven't seen in a while. But so, let's not kid ourselves. So I marked out on Monday because I thought it was going to be Spike Dudley. I did too. So, when Tommy Dreamer so they, actually came out, they, I was like, they alluded oh. to it. They alluded to it. And they were like, you know, thankfully we got our own f- family. And I went, I freaked because it, that's what was supposed to happen with new day. And if they waited for the Wyatts, that's fine. Cause you're going to see Spike Dudley versus Braun Strowman. And it's going to be awesome. And so I'm freaking out. And then Tommy Dreamer shows up and I was like, uh, Okay. Right. I mean, I'm never thought, dissatisfied think, you know, with I, Tommy I, Dreamer, I but I was hoping for Spike. No, see, I was dissatisfied with Tommy Dreamer. I'm not. The, I am not as big a Tommy Dreamer fan as you. I think he's great, but I've never been a huge Tommy Dreamer fan. And I was immediately. I I, I got pulled in. A markout moment to me is one that makes me forget about social media. It makes me forget about. You know what I could write about this or what I could podcast about this. It, a markout moment is one that takes me back to sitting on my grandmother's living room floor, clutching a pillow, giving it suplexes, watching wrestling on television when I'm 12 years old. That's a markout moment. A markout moment takes me back to childhood, and I am a pure wrestling fan when that happens. And, and I, I don't. Got, I think. I think there's a lot of nostalgia involved in that. And I don't think there are any guys left that can make me really forget like that. I, like, I, I did it for Spike Dudley, and maybe it's just me. I did it for Spike Dudley. I did it during the Eva Marie storyline. 
and I, I, I hate to keep coming back to this because people are going to think I'm like biased because even, you know, a bias towards Eva Marie. But that storyline was so delightfully well put together that I was just like, I can't believe Charles Robinson is coming out. They are going to go completely that way where they're going to, you know, corporate is going to force her to try to win that title. And it was just, that was just that kind of thing. When I become a pure fan and, you know, when Chris Jericho came out back at whatever show that was night of champions or battleground, I, I was completely, the other way, you know, because those guys, and I think this is what you were about to say, those guys who keep coming back do yeah. nothing for me. Yeah. The guys who keep coming back do nothing for me. If you were going to say, I'll just randomly pull this name out there, and Shannon, if you ever listen to this show, you're going to appreciate it. If Disco Inferno showed up, I would mark out. If Disco Inferno showed up, did some disco dancing, and got crushed by Baron Corbin, I would mark If Spike out. Dudley had come out on Monday night, I would have jumped off of my couch, hands in the air, and I would have gone, Spike Dudley! And Mrs. Manson would have looked at me like, what the hell are you doing, and what the hell are you talking about, and who the hell is this guy? And so if that's a mark-out moment, I guess I would have had one right then and there for him. But when I start thinking about like serious game changers, like the legends of yesteryear, none of them do it for me anymore. But why does Hulk Hogan be- doesn't do it for me. Steve Austin doesn't do it for me. Like even like a guy who I really love, like Jake the Snake. I know he's not ever going to actually be able to do anything, you know, in the ring. He's not physically capable. Like, but why does it have to be a game changer? Because why? those middle card guys, yeah, it can be exciting. But isn't but that it what does- it's all about? It- but it's only. But then the, my brain kicks in, and logically, it only that but, is only a moment. What, it has no potential to go beyond the moment. The phrase is "mark out moment." I'm not saying it has to be a game changer. I'm saying for those five seconds, for those five seconds that I thought Spike Dudley was going to come out, I was ready to scream. And then Tommy, I Dreamer, was too. And then Tommy Dreamer too. came out, and I went. Uh. I mean, if that's your definition, then yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't need these, you know, would I like somebody to come out and me to be go, oh my God, this changes everything. But, but, but honestly, unless- okay, so think about that for a second and just answer me this. If that is what I'm at, if that's the question on the table, is there anyone you can think of, of coming, who comes back that would like legit cause you to have an extreme positive reaction like that? A game-changing positive reaction? Yeah. Yes. Who? Shane McMahon. If Shane McMahon comes back... Oh, who gives a crap about Shane McMahon? If Shane McMahon comes back... Well, and I think it would have to be tied into that whole, you know... It, it, okay. And again, this would be a weird storyline, but Vince comes out and essentially formally retires. Like, legit. Not kayfabe retires. He legit retires. And... They say the next, you know, GM of Raw is about to come out, and then it's Shane. I might be like, okay, things are going to get very interesting if Shane McMahon is back to being a part of World Wrestling Entertainment in some form or fashion. But no, there are no more game changers. Sorry, Jason Maltoff, but if Goldberg comes out, not going to be... Who cares? Well, Jason would, but not going to be a game changer. If... You know, like you said, The Rock comes back out and he's going to... Who cares? 
So there aren't any more game changers. And that's, I think, the problem with, you know, the fact that we've been wrestling fans for so long. We know how this works. But all I want are those moments that take me back to being a fan. And I know that they're fleeting and I'm comfortable with that because for those moments, I'm happy. But you're right. We don't have a game changer. AJ Styles comes out on WWE. Who cares? I think a lot more people would care about AJ Styles than The Rock or Goldberg, but... I think a lot more people in the IWC would, but does that matter? Not really. Well, in a world where you're talking about the Twitter culture and the Twitter popularity, yeah, the IWC matters a bit. A bit, I guess. If if Mick Foley came out and said, "Hey, guess what, gang? Who cares?" If he said, and "I love Mick Foley," but and who he cares? said, and he said, "Hey, guess what, gang? My son just got hired by WWE Creative, and my daughter just got hired to be a backstage interviewer. So the Foley family is taking over." Uh, this, still, people probably wouldn't care. No. Did Did you know that Dewey Foley is now a member of Creative? Yeah, I heard. Did Who you, cares? Did you read Mick Foley's post defending I it? did not. I did not. No. I, I can't quote it word for word, but he basically talks about how this isn't nepotism. This isn't any of that. Dewey Foley worked really hard, spending many hours thinking about wrestling and writing about wrestling, and got himself noticed by WWE. And I wasn't going to tweet about this, but I think I can express myself on the podcast when I say, Mick, you're absolutely right. I'm sure your son worked a, for a real long time. I'm sure he worked as hard as he could, and that's great. And if you'd like, I will give you a typewritten list of a whole lot of other people who have worked real hard thinking and writing and podcasting about wrestling. And I'm not talking about me. I don't ever want to work for WWE. But I can give you a list of tons of people who would like nothing more than to get a shot working for World Wrestling Entertainment, and they're not going to ever get it because their last name's not Foley. You might not have asked to get his, your son a job. You might not have pushed to get your son a job. But you better believe the fact that your son is your son is part of the reason that he got hired by World Wrestling Entertainment. Is it anybody's fault? No. Is your son going to do a great job? I certainly hope so. So, no hard feelings, but do not say for one minute that Dewey Foley didn't get that job because of his name or whatever. He did get that job. He got the job. I'm confusing myself here. I'm so upset. He got the job because he's good at what he did and his last name is Foley. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that works both ways to some degree. The amount of negativity coming out of Mick Foley these days, you'd think maybe that wouldn't have helped his son uh, get that job but you're right the name certainly does help separate him from the crowd a lot of people think that they did this solely so Mick Foley would stop complaining I'm like no that's not going to do anything Mick no, Foley will it, it, yeah, not at all <clears throat> would you consider a mark out moment being uh, it being officially announced that Kevin Owens would wrestle Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania 32 would you consider that a mark out moment not really, because in the back of my mind, I think I would know that they would screw it up somehow. Is that it? Is it just that we're too jaded to really have markout moments? It might be part of it, but like I mean, I said it earlier. I'm really coming down when I think about the product. Like, don't get me wrong, I like WWM fan. I I am period, and this complaining comes from a place of you know love. But I don't understand their fascination with 
continually telling us what we like, even when we tell them that we don't. Like, that, that is the MO of this company. They want to know why they keep sliding down, down, down. It's because you're not giving the real... I don't want to say the real fans, but the vocal fans. You're, you're, you're constantly telling them, no, 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 we know better than you, and you're going to like this guy. And I just don't understand how you think that builds a community that is going to actually, you know, be spokespersons for your product. You need people to be spokespersons. You need people to to recruit their friends, to tell them what they're doing on Monday nights, to actually get new people watching. I mean, you, we heard about that survey going around about why is the why are the ratings down? Again, I don't think it matters, but that that is the reason why it's down. People aren't watching because that even the the strongest advocates of this product, your biggest fans aren't going out there and advocating for you. They watch it begrudgingly to some extent. I'm not saying I watch it begrudgingly, but I'm certainly not going out there and telling my other friends, "Oh man, I got to tell you, you want to have some great television on Monday nights, you got to watch WWE Raw." No, I just watch it cuz it's what I watch and I do enjoy it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to recommend this to people. I don't think this is something that most people who aren't already fans are going to enjoy. And you think that is because... Well, you know, in the late 90s, when Stone Cold Steve Austin was doing his thing, what do you think happened? People went to school, they're wearing this shirt, and they say, oh man, you won't believe what Stone Cold did last night. And people who had never heard of Stone Cold said, he did what with a beer truck? Oh man, I'm going to check this out. That does not happen on Raw television right now. There are no moments, even the ones I get excited for, there are no moments where I'm going to say, oh man... That is unfreaking believable. I have to tell somebody about this. I haven't seen a moment like that in some time. This is a good way for us to transition because I originally intended this to be a mailbag only show. Because, Doc, we didn't just get one, we didn't just get two, we didn't even just get three. But like the horsemen, we got four emails at the horseman DD- got four emails well they're four oh, i hate you ddt wrestling at gmail.com is where you can send your emails we got four of them four emails four- okay man you got to tell me who are our new best friends who are sending emails in would you like to go one at a time or would you like to hear them all named and then we'll go into them one at a time? Uh, oh let's go one at a time let's go one at a time. all right so i'm gonna start with the first email we got which also happens to tie in very nicely to the conversation we're having here today about uh ratings and the lack of mark out moments and creative and it comes to us from rich at rich cars lake rich cars lake those are three words you can put together 17 at rich cars lake 17 and i will as i promised last week read just about all of this email to you now first of all i'd like to say i've just started listening to your podcast caught the i think last you missed the part hi guys hey guys <clears throat> hey guys first of all i'd like to say that i've just started listening to your podcast caught the last two and you're doing a fantastic job, and I really enjoy it. So thank you, Rich. Glad you've joined on. Feel free to check out our archive. I don't necessarily recommend the ones without Doc Manson, though uh, personally I, I, I like them. But Thanks, Rich. Glad you're listening. 
After numerous injuries and with Cena's time off, WWE has struggled with finding top echelon guys to fill those spots. First of all, love a good vocab word. Nice job on the echelon. With the exception of The Shield, well, two of them, WWE hasn't really made any stars since Cena. I disagree. Okay, well, let's start there. What do you mean, you disagree? Daniel Bryan. Was he... Well, was he not a star? Was think, he not a star that was made post-Cena? I think Rich mentions that. Well, you could also bring up CM Punk, but again, he mentions him later in the email, too. Right, so. Continue. Continue. But I do think that well, there I have been say, some... Can, I can't continue now. I'm drinking water now. But. Well, well, I do believe that there have been some major stars made since Cena. So I disagree yes. with, with... We, the, we the, had the, that conversation. I think that was back when you and I were on number two contenders, and we were writing... We were having conversations via, like, that was our post, that was our blog post, and I think that was one point where I mentioned it. It's, it is not WWE's fault that Daniel Bryan got hurt and that CM Punk left. Well, it might be his fault, that their fault that CM Punk left. But they couldn't anticipate that. They made two giant stars who happened to leave the company at the worst possible times. <clears throat> so they're playing catch-up here, but let's keep going. Would you put that down to bad creative... Or that talent aren't allowed to express themselves and take risks on the mic. I'm not advocating going back to the extremes of the Attitude Era, but maybe letting guys like Cesaro, Owens, Ambrose, and Barrett, etc. have the odd promo where they can truly speak their mind, pipe bomb style, and not have to fear the repercussions backstage. I I have a comment here. Do you want to jump in first? You go ahead. All right. Uh... While I, I must admit I've been working on a project that I'm going to tell you about at the end of the show, uh, so I haven't had the chance to listen to all of the New Age Insiders podcasts yet, but they do talk about this problem, how uh, WWE is too scripted, and how they really should give them a floor. You have to say these two or three things, and you can't say these things because we're a PG to PG-13 product, but otherwise get your point across however you see fit. I do think that is a problem. I do think WWE seems, I don't know for sure, but they seem to be scripting way too much. One thing I will say, however, is Cesaro, a few months ago, seemed to get the chance to come out with the microphone and give the world a piece of his mind. And the only thing people remember about that is that he thought the ring had four ropes. So he had a chance, and I love Cesaro, one of my favorite wrestlers in WWE right now, but he kind of blew it with that promo. They gave Damian Sandow the chance to. We talked about it earlier on the show. After the Mizdow thing came down, he came down to the ring. Black t-shirt, just as Damian Sandow. They gave him a moment on that microphone. And I think he had an opportunity to just kind of say, whatever. And there was zero crowd reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see him as himself again. He was immediately put into the Macho Man uh, parody gimmick. And part of that might be, and I think I've talked about this before, that... Wrestling fans, when you go to a show, you're not fully engaged in the show anymore. You're on your phone. You're sending out tweets. You're taking pictures. You're taking video. You're updating your Facebook status or posting things on Instagram or uh, whatever else you crazy kids do. So if you're not really paying attention to a guy who just comes out and talks you're not going to give them a great crowd reaction. I would love to know what would happen if every wrestling fan, when they got to the show, put their phone in their pocket, except to be a firefly, Mm -hmm. put their phone in their pocket and actually 
engaged with the show, I think you might have some more crowd reactions there. But I do, I, I do think you're right. They, they've given some of these guys the opportunity. Should they do it more often? Yeah. Why not? Let's give these guys some, you know, they've made it to WWE, which means they have to have some improvisational ability. They have to have some verbal ability. Let's give them the chance to say things that they want to say. Now, that said, do you agree with the point that, say, with specifically the pipe bomb, uh, CM Punk's pipe bomb? Do you think that he was allowed to truly speak his mind and not fear repercussions backstage? Because I kind of get the impression that Vince McMahon knew exactly what he was going to say before CM Punk went out there. I since I wasn't watching, so I can't I can't speak from someone who saw that moment live. I've seen the I've seen the video. I've heard about it. So I'm coming from a place. Of, of non-expertise, which has never stopped me f- before from expressing my opinions. Um, I I think Vince probably had a good idea of what he was going to say, but I also think CM Punk went out there and said, the worst case scenario is I get fired and I'm okay with getting fired. And sure. when when you feel that way, you'll say whatever you want. But he also, and again, I haven't heard, I think I've only seen that promo once, so I don't remember all of it, but he could have gone... Very dark, he could have gone very aggressive. He could have said things that would have definitely gotten a bigger reaction and gotten... He kept it pretty entertaining, didn't he? He kept it pretty product appropriate, didn't he? He he did. He did. He cut a promo. He got the chance to say whatever he wanted, but he did it in a way to try to get over. If he was really cutting a pipe bomb, he would have come out and said, to hell with you, to hell with you, to hell with you, you're cool, I'm out. So... I don't I, disagree. I, I I hesitate before using that as the be-all, end-all all the time. I'd like to go back to when it wasn't as scripted, you know. Chris Jericho got bullet points, and he said, you have five minutes to get these points done. The rest is up to you. I'm, I mean, I know, we, I know we like to talk about how the product is too scripted, but, I mean, I, I find it very hard to believe that they're giving... Ryback a complete script and he's memorizing it and going out there and delivering it. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, you talk about how you want him to go back to just giving him a couple of points and talking on those points. I don't know, man. I think that's probably what they're doing. I, I honestly don't think all these guys are really memorizing a set script. I find that very hard to believe. I, I think- it's too conversational. I think you might be right there. I don't know that they have a script, but I think there's definitely these... There's a very generic set of lines and things. You know, there, there's... I, I hate to use the word, but there's there's tropes. There's things that you can say. There's the, you know, the cheap pop. You can plug with the crowd. Yeah. You can talk about this. You can talk about that. I think they do that a lot. You know, Ryback, I seem to recall, a couple of times did say some things that was like... What? Huh? Yeah, you were kind of like, A, that wasn't as funny as you thought it was, and B, that was kind of a low blow. You know, yes. I, maybe it was with the, maybe it was, was the Rusev TMZ thing, you know, and I think part of that is I get the very strong sense that Vince McMahon chooses very certain people at very certain times to be his voice of disapproval. So I, I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure 
I remember thinking this. Ryback sounded like he had Vince McMahon in his ear, and he obviously didn't. But Vince McMahon said, you're going to go out there and you're going to say this because I'm upset that they got their engagement on TMZ. They broke kayfabe, and we're going to do that. JBL is notorious for that, you know, uh, with the ascension. With the ascension and uh, granted, everybody has reason to, to, you know, downplay the ascension. But he was saying things, and he was being just aggressive and harsh and mean. And JBL usually doesn't go that way, which made me think Vince is in his ear saying, Say this, say this, say this. Yeah. But I don't think that there's script, but I think it's there's a very specific code of how you talk to each other. And there used to be there is less freedom. I think we can both safely say that. There is less freedom in these promos. So would seem to be. Alright, let's get back to Rich's email here because he's still got more to say. When you think of the recent stars, Punk and Brian, we just talked about so, that. So, wait, well, I'm confused, Rich. I thought you said they didn't make any stars in Cena. Hmm. Are, Go are on. You, are you going to argue with the people who took <laughs> With time? someone who's not here? I know. Rich, I'm, I'm super happy you sent us this email, and you should send us some yeah, more. It's just only, the way I am. It's just the not, way I am. Not only did they take the time to email, but they are not here to defend themselves, which makes them perfect targets. All exactly, right. exactly. Now I've lost the email. When you think of guys like Punk and Brian, they both got there by going against the grain. One by dropping pipe bombs, one by having the underdog booking. Why is the underdog booking going against the grain? I don't. I don't. I don't. The think underdog it is. underdog booking happens. It's just a, it's, it's all the time. that is a, that is a playbook that they yes. run all the time. Yes, Roman Reigns right now is the underdog. The main event of SmackDown was Roman Reigns versus the League of Nations. One yep. on four, that's an underdog situation. Again, <laughs> I just criticized you for getting uh-huh. all over Rich, and now I'm arguing with him. Rich, we love you. Please keep emailing. And you this is email- a really good meme email, actually. I'm very – this is involved. He's got lots of good points. Uh, so this is a great conversational email. I like Should this. Should we award a, a non-existent prize for email of the week? No, but at the end of the year awards, I think one of the categories should be email of the year. Email of the year. I'm telling you, man, we could have some great categories. I don't want to have those best match, worst match, uh, you know, the top wrestler in the world. I don't care about any of that. We need to have these idiosyncratic, like, ridiculous categories. I, I, I put that on you. I will help in any way I can, but if you want to come up with an end of the year thing, I will gladly take a back seat, let you steer the ship, and I will I will go where you go for the most part until I get uncomfortable and need to go home. So Fair enough. Where are we? Underdog uh, booking. Ah, yes. I can see that they're trying to do the ladder with Reigns, and credit to them for that, but I can't help but think they need an anti-hero to work against the authority instead or as well. Ambrose, Bray, or Owens... Cutting promos with that grain of truth about the business. So are you asking for Paige? Isn't Paige the anti-hero right now in WWE? With those grains of truth about the business? Yeah, she is. And I mean, in all fairness, Roman Reigns is working against the authority, although it's not with that grain of truthiness. And he is, to a large extent, an anti-hero. He's not going out there and waving the American flag and being the good old boy. He's looking out for number one. And he's doing things that, you know, aren't always necessarily in his own best interest. I mean, I think his character very much is an anti-hero. Not a very cool one, but, you know. No. Alright, I'm not going to finish reading the email word for word, because he does apologize for going off on a tangent. Rich, it's not a tangent. We love this email. Uh, He kind of summarizes here at the end. 
in the PG environment of scripted promos, I can't see a big enough chunk of the audience getting behind people organically. Well, Daniel Bryan. Well, and, and, and Daniel Bryan, notwithstanding, this goes back to another point we just made. WWE isn't necessarily letting us get behind guys organically. We're behind Cesaro organically. It doesn't yes. seem to it doesn't seem to do a whole lot except, you know, again, if WWE had a television title, Cesaro would be that champion. He's on there every night putting on great matches, but I don't see but him. But for some reason, <coughs> from now until WrestleMania is the Roman Reigns show. Yes. And we didn't That's not our decision. We didn't ask for that. We didn't ask for that. All right, Rich. He's at RichCarsLake17. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, do follow him. Congratulate him on this email. A fine email. One of the I best, dug it, Rich. One of the best four emails we've gotten uh, tonight on this show. So Absolutely. All right. Uh, our next email comes from our old fan, friend and NAI staff member Magnum, at Magnum NAI. And it's a similar email, so we'll just transition right into that. And it's a shorter one, which is okay. Short emails are good, too. Since the subject of much WWE talk lately has been lack of creativity, what would you prioritize as a needed shot in the creative arm for WWE, and what are some of your favorite stories from wrestling history? So a two-part question here. Um, so, what uh, what's a shot in the creative arm? that WWE needs right now, uh, unless we've already mentioned it, and I don't think it's just hiring Dewey Foley. So, what do you got there, Doc? What does creative Um, need to spice it up? You're the spicy one. Tell us. They need to listen to their audience and push a guy that the crowd is behind. That's it. Who would that be? If, If you... Who do you think the crowd is most behind? Who would you be pushing right now? As the fans pick the people's champion I think I mean again this is going to show my bias but that's because it's impossible to be objective about anything you're subjective in everything that you do because you're a human being but I'm going to say Dean Ambrose I'm going to say Kevin Owens I'm going to say Cesaro I'm going to say those are three good examples those are three good examples and I think I like this question but I think it does lend itself there seems to be an obvious answer here and maybe it's because that's what we've been talking about for a good portion of this show Uh, I really could go for a good cookie though anyways Mm, uh, I think if you're going by organic reaction Big E needs to be the world champion Kofi Kingston needs to be the intercontinental champion and Xavier Woods needs to be the US champion Nah, I think that the reaction to New Day is more split than you'd care to admit. But it's but, but again, does it have to be, you know, listening to the fans is a two-way street. You have to listen to who the fans like and you have to listen to who the fans don't like and the people that the fans don't like still have a purpose, you know. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> Unless, you know, the the people you're worried about are the people who are getting no reaction. Those yeah. are the I mean, and that's the thing. The way that the question is worded, what would you prioritize as a needed shot in the arm for creative? I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with creative. There's a lot of good things happening on the show. New Day is an example of that. New Days are got, New Day are a set of guys who I think are allowed to go out there and say pretty much whatever they want on a nightly basis. Nobody in creative scripted him going out there with that trombone and playing video game theme songs. No. Nobody did that. Um, so I don't know necessarily that there is an issue with creative, but they do need to give certain stars 
the platform. And I don't think that they're doing that very well. I think that's the problem. No. And New Day got the chance to do whatever they wanted because they could have cared less what New Day was doing way back in the beginning. <clears throat> so they said, go do whatever you want. And they went out and did whatever they wanted. And all of a sudden they went, oh, that that's working. People people like what you're doing. And <clears throat> again... Yeah, you actually, you bring up a good point with New Day. I, I Actually, I'll take back my... My naysaying, yeah, that that would that would be a fine group to actually sort of get behind in that capacity. But yeah, you know, they could hold all of the singles titles and be like, not only are we two time tag team champions, we hold all the belts because we are so good. I I know you might not like this, but I would really like for them to take over commentary for an entire show. I would love for them if they had all the belts to literally come out, kick Michael Cole out, kill. Byron Saxton out, kick JBL out, and the three of them sit there, and they're like, we're not wrestling. We're just going to call the show. All right, send out the next match. And I could see them letting JBL stay, and I think that could be pretty entertaining. <laughs> All right, yeah, that would be fun, the four of them. So I think I think that would be fun. Um, you're right. That's a big thing. I also think, let me make sure I have the spirit of the prioritize as a needed shot in the creative arm. You've got to give... Some of these talents we've never seen, well, not we've never seen, we haven't seen in a long time, another chance. You really do. I'm really excited to see Jack Swagger doing something. And I know he's most likely going to lose to Alberto Del Rio at the pre-show of TLCS. I, I get that. But he's there, he's doing something, he was an afterthought, and now he is a solid mid-card guy, despite the fact that he hasn't wrestled, except I think on SmackDown. So I like that. And it goes back to Damian Sandow. <clears throat> Where I, is Damian Sandow? And Where? I, and I go back to, you know, I, I don't like him. He's a black hole of charisma. But Curtis Axel. You know, he's trying something online with this Where is Axel business, which again, don't try to get yourself over. It never works. But give him something. You know, Sandow had this great thing. I think it was last year. He had like the Sandow minute, which was just 60 seconds of him saying pretty much whatever he wanted. And oddly enough, they're kind of doing that with Adam Rose. Yes, you they know, are. This, this Rose Bush gossip column thing, it kind of is working. You know, between that and what he did on NXT, like I'm into Adam Rose in a way that I haven't been since uh, NXT. Because once he got to WWE, he just stunk. But... You got to give guys a chance, and it only takes a minute. Give Heath Slater one minute of every Raw to say something. Give Fandango one minute to say something or to do something. I'm going to disagree with you there. Don't give Heath Slater or Fandango anything, except for maybe a future Endeavors letter. You've got to at least try. You've got to at least try with these guys. Fandango has a purpose. Heath Slater has a purpose. <clears throat> so I think that. Now let's move on to the other part. Um, favorite storylines from history or favorite stories from wrestling history. Now Magnum is our historian. He's been watching since the 70s or 80s. He's got tons of stories that we're not going to know. But off the top of your head, what's a story that you enjoy? I don't know why it pops in there, but the uh, the feud with Macho Man Randy Savage around the time he got married to Miss Elizabeth with uh, Jake the Snake Roberts sort of terrorizing them at their reception. That whole sort of back and forth there. I don't know why it sticks out from my childhood, but I remember being super into that. Uh, that 
that, is that that's that story. where Randy gets bit by the cobra, right? Yes, that's I believe the, it is. That's a good story. Uh, and the way he put Miss Elizabeth in danger, this like purely sort of innocent sort of bystander in this whole thing. I don't know. Like, I, it just I thought that really worked back then. I really liked, and this is this is such a dumb story, but I loved Roddy Piper feuding with Goldust around WrestleMania 12. You know, Goldust is that has, the one where they're like. Like the you know, outside, and there's like the car barreling down. The Hollywood backlot brawl. I yeah. love that match so much, and it's not just that match. The whole story leading up to it, where Goldust is being. This is back when Goldust was again pre Attitude Era. Goldust is being creepy and edgy and <clears throat> flamboyant, and people are ha- being really uncomfortable about it because back then you could be really uncomfortable about that kind of thing on television, and. You know, Roddy Piper, this man's man, despite the fact that he wore a kilt for his entire career, you know, he's going to make a man out of this guy. And they have this Hollywood backlot brawl and they channel the O.J. Simpson thing. And then it makes it makes its way into the arena. I thought that was some great storytelling. You know, you go to the the obvious ones, Austin and McMahon in the hospital, Foley coming out with Socko and Yertle, the clown. Those are great moments, but I don't know if those are my favorite stories. You know what I mean? There are probably favorite moments, like you know, uh, Hell in the Cell, Foley going off the cage and through the cage, and you know, losing his front teeth and all that. Like, yeah, favorite moments for sure. But the story around that is sort of lost to me. You know, I don't know that it really, it really matters so much. Um, again, this is this is the era. Bret Hart and Owen Hart feud between brothers. You know, that was an excellent bit of storytelling. Owen's jealous. Owen turns on Brett. Brett won't fight him. Then they do fight. Then you go to Survivor Series. Um, you know, Brett's I was super into Hogan Warrior, WrestleMania 6. See, you watched wrestling before I did. I was, I was not watching wrestling. Oh, no. We, did you watch that live, or is this taped in the past? I probably watched it taped, but I probably didn't watch it taped too long after it happened. So so it's essentially live. You have to remember, back in the 80s, if you didn't see something live, it was normal for it to take six to nine months for it to come back around. Like, that was just the fact of life back then. Yeah. It was still hot news, you know? Yeah. But- there was no internet. There was no, uh, you know, divulging information instantaneously. So, you know, essentially live for my... For my six-year-old self. But yes, Brett and Owen, Survivor Series 95, when they're in an I Quit match, Owen comes out because Brett's getting beat up. He tries to, you know, cheer up. His, you think he's reformed. He's trying to get Helen to throw in the towel. Helen finally throws in the towel. Owen reveals it's been his plan all along, and uh, that was just so good. Such good storytelling. Um all right, so thank you, Magnum, at MagnumNAI. Find him on Twitter. He's got a column. Uh, it usually comes out on Wednesdays. Every now and again, uh, history lessons from Magnum. Excellent guy to follow on the Twitter. All right, let's see here. Which one do we want to do now? Which one would make the most sense? Oh, no, actually, this would another perfect segue. I don't know if you've been planning this. Let's go to the most recent email, the one that came just today, uh, and it is from our, our good friend Heeltown at Heeltown underscore USA, I believe is where you can find him on Twitter. You should find him on Twitter. I believe he has a podcast that you should check out when you're done listening to ours and the NAI, the NAI pods. Uh, 
he's he's a super smart fan, so he's going to have a super smart podcast. And it goes like this, gentlemen. I was thinking about how much fan backlash has affected WWE booking in the last two years, and I was wondering if the IWC smarks. And I, I take offense. I don't know if we should consider ourselves among that, but if the internet wrestling community uh, had been around in the late '80s or early '90s. Who would there have been fan backlash against, and who would the Smarks be up in arms about not receiving the pushes they deserve? Have a good show from Heeltown, and I do feel we're having a good show, so thank you for the email, Heeltown. Um, we talked briefly about this before the show, because we had just gotten that email. What do you think? I mean, to some degree, I was just saying in the last email mm-hmm. how... News didn't travel very quickly back in the 80s and 90s. It's almost inconceivable to me the scenario that he's putting into this email. It's almost inconceivable to me to think about having that sort of communication at those times. You, you, you say that word all the time, but I do not think it means what you think it means. I yes, think it means Princess exactly. Bride rest friends. Dun, 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 I think it means exactly what it does. I think it means. It does, but I just, I had to quote, uh, whenever you no, can quote Andre the Giant, you quote Andre the Giant. Okay, uh, now. Or was that Mandy Patinkin? Yeah. Damn, damn I yeah. just ruined it. All right, go back. You're right. It, it, I, I, it, is, it is difficult to think back then because you have to presume if social media and the IWE smarks existed back then, wouldn't therefore the product be different? Yes. But I will say, I, I can remember being a kid and looking at some people that they were putting in front of me and being like, I I know, like I was excited because they were telling me to be excited, but I was kind of just like, I don't, I'm not really into this. And it, if that's the criteria, and it probably is, like the one that stands out to me, honestly, is Lex Luger. Good I choice. never good choice. I never like I was just like who is this wannabe Hogan All-American stand-in? This guy stinks. Get him off my television. Get Hulk Hogan back. Now, again, I was 6, so you can maybe excuse my thinking Hogan was the end all be all, but at the time he was and Luger was to me a very poor substitute. I think if you have followed anything that DC Matthews has done, you know my feeling on Lex Luger. You know how I feel about Lex Luger. I know how <clears throat> Mrs. Matthews feels about Lex Luger. Diaper wearing Lex Luger. So I think you're right. And there have been a lot of comparisons made between Roman Reigns and Lex Luger. Now, my initial choice is going to. Uh, please don't leave me when I give you this person. But I try to think about myself. If I was myself in this body, whether I had the IWC or not, but if I was a wrestling fan at this age, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I might have hated the Ultimate Warrior. Because I think about Roman Reigns. What are the problems with Roman Reigns? His entrance is kind of dumb. Well, the Ultimate Warrior just runs to the ring and shakes the ropes. Uh, his move set isn't necessarily limited, but he's got a bunch of moves that, you know, he just does over and over again. Well, Ultimate Warrior does the Gorilla Press Slam and then the Running Splash, and he doesn't do a whole lot else. Um, Roman Reigns is being forced down our throats. 
one could argue that the Ultimate Warrior had a similar career trajectory. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in the late 80s, early 90s, I would have loved the Warrior, but I have to imagine I would have seen that and said, that is a very one-dimensional character, and I have a problem with him being given this place. Now, granted... See, that, the problem is, even if you were this age, I think you can only say that about the Warrior if you're going back to that time in your body with your current knowledge set. Because when you think back to the actual 80s, even if you were that age, man, I don't know, wrestling was a different business. It was still a time when, to some degree, you thought it was real. I mean, maybe adults didn't. I don't know. But you didn't have this big backlog to look at to be like, oh, this is a trope that Warrior is falling into. Like, he was just a dude. You didn't have that same context that you have now with 30 years of wrestling history. In the 80s, there was not 30 years of... Well, I mean, there was probably 30 years of wrestling history, but I don't know, not like how I think of it today, anyways. Maybe I'm just miscategorizing. I, but. No, I, I do think you're right. It is... I, if I was the same 30... If I was a 32-year-old in 89, 90... I would have a completely different way of looking at the world because the last 25 years have shaped how someone of my age and my particular position looks at the world. <clears throat> I also need to for- remember that if I was then, I would I would be grateful for anyone not named Hulk Hogan. I would be grateful for anyone. You could have brought a mop with a face on it, and if it had pinned Hulk Hogan, I would have bought the T-shirt and worn it with pride so as for <coughs> excuse me as for who we would be up in arms about it's mr perfect we would be wondering why in the world mr perfect wasn't getting world title shots because he was that good it would be mr perfect that would be that would be the guy i think do you do yeah. you have you know you might you might have made the argument for jake roberts you're a big jake roberts fan i think jake roger I, I think jake roberts got I think he got the push he deserved. Even if he never was necessarily that long, lengthy title run or whatever, the, the way that his character was treated, the respect that he got, the sort of storylines he was in, the way he acted, I think he he did very well for himself, given the state of the business at that time. But yeah, I could definitely see Perfect being that guy. Yep. He, he could have he gone all the way, and it's crazy to think he never held uh, the heavyweight championship. Yeah. Uh, you know... Again, Roddy Piper main evented WrestleMania 1. It's not like he didn't have a, a huge career, but talking about guys who never won the world title. Ted DiBiase, same kind of thing. All right, so thank you, Heeltown. Make sure you go check out Heeltown. <clears throat> uh, that <coughs> brings us to our final email. Excuse me there, folks. And it's from fan and friend of the show, PJ. And I think we've heard from PJ before. Uh, at underscore PJ90. You can find him on Twitter. And he writes, Hey guys, and I say it like that because there's an exclamation point. It's PJ from Twitter, and we, we already knew that. I said I would email you, and I am here to deliver on that promise. And we appreciate, I like a man who keeps his promises. <clears throat> we appreciate your dedication. Well, you, I presume it's a man. I guess I don't know. PJ could be. I think it is too. Uh, we'll, we'll call him the Pajarian. Um, okay, absolutely. That's what you do for people named PJ. I agree. <clears throat> The topic I would like to bring up is Ring of Honor. So, Doc, since you don't watch Ring of Honor, if you want to go, you know, grab a Coke or have a cookie. Uh, no, I'll you, listen. You can be part of the conversation. I'd love it if you did, but I would understand. I'm always part of the conversation. You can't stop me. I've noticed on Twitter, DC, that you've been speaking highly of Ring of Honor. 
I don't know if that's entirely true, but let's continue. While I agree the current roster has some great talent, and the match quality is probably high, probably, with so much other stuff out there, WWE, NXT, Network Archives, New Japan, I just can't be bothered to... What about Lucha? Lucha Underground? Well, it's technically not on right now. Well, that's true. They're they're not on until next month. Are you going to watch Lucha Underground Season 2 next month? Uh, What channel is it on? I don't know. I would, assume, I would assume it's still on El Rey. Well, if that's the channel it's on, I still don't get it. So, no, uh, I won't be watching it. All right. Um, where was I? I keep losing my place. I just can't be bothered to watch their product. Not to mention the WWE Network has made it nearly impossible for me to shell out $30 for an iPay-per-view that may or may not work. I mean, that's three WWE pay-per-views. Actually, it's three pay-per-views plus three months of access to all the archives. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Yes, it's three months of WWE Network. I was big into Ring of Honor from 2010 to 2013, and most of my favorites have moved on to WWE or elsewhere. I just feel like it isn't worth trying to dive back into. So, DC, why should fans like me, who already have a full plate of wrestling in front of them, give Ring of Honor a try? Can I answer this? You've... Done. You've done the Ring of Honor thing, I believe. You've watched some of it, so go for it. Why don't you answer, since the email is not written to to you. So why don't you go ahead. Alright, why should fans, like me, who already have a full plate of wrestling in front of them, give ROH a try? I'll tell you, they shouldn't. If you have a full plate of wrestling already in front of you, and you're enjoying it, then just keep watching that. And don't feel bad that there's a thing called Ring of Honor out there and you're missing it. I believe you. I believe you coined the phrase "find your happy," uh-huh. or "find the happy." Sure thing. Uh, I'll say this in defense of Ring of Honor because I I did pay the five dollars a month um, to have access to their archive, uh, their TV archive, and their TV, which you can get for free. You can watch their weekly TV for free. Um, so I did pay that. I will say this in their defense: if you like. Good quality wrestling. Actual. You should watch NXT. Right, got it. Actual wrestling. If you like good quality wrestling, if you don't mind having to work a little harder for your content, but if you mm-hmm. like good quality wrestling, if you like uh, the stars of Ring of Honor, if you like guys like Jay Lethal, who you might have seen from TNA, if you like AJ Styles, who you've seen from TNA, if you liked the X Division, which, Doc, you admit, you liked the X Division. I love the X Division. If you like the X Division... Rest in peace. uh, Ring of Honor is is not so much of an investment that you're not going to get your money's worth. Do I get $5 of money's worth from Ring of Honor? Yes. And I say that as someone who is two months behind... On the product, I you know I'm still trying to catch up on TV. Is it a, a borderline crime that they don't put the pay per views up? That I would have to pay twenty six dollars for a pay per view? Yeah, because I'm not going to do that. You don't get the pay per views if you subscribe. If you are a ringside member, a paid ringside member, five dollars a month, you get a twenty five percent discount on pay per views, but you don't get the pay per views. Yeah, I mean that's. The WWE Network honestly has skewed, um, you know, pricing in this entire industry in terms of what seems like a good value. And paying $26 for a single show, as PJ points out, 
Yeah, that's that's a hard pill to swallow these days. I'm never going to do it. They could have the best pay-per-view lineup I've ever seen. I'm still not going to pay twenty six ninety five to watch an iPay-per-view, which from all accounts has bugs and streaming issues. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I'll, will I look for other ways to view that pay-per-view? Sure. I mean, let's face it. If they're saying that an entire month of their product is worth $5, it's kind of crazy that they would charge more than $5 for that pay-per-view as well. Well, and, and that's kind of what it is. You know, um, for the $5, you get, like I said, you get the TV archive. I like that. You get their pay-per-view archive, select pay-per-views. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I've come to terms with. And this is this is what you need to know, PJ. Pajarian. And anybody else out there who's debating um, the Ring of Honor thing. You have to be able to enjoy wrestling without knowing every little thing that happened to get those talents to that match. You have to be able to say, I might not get every lingo, every single nuance of the story. But I'm going to get the good match. Because I can go and pick a random pay-per-view from 2011 that'll probably have Kevin Steen and El Generico in some sort of match with each other or against other people. And I'm going to get a really good show for $5. And if I can enjoy that, that's fine. Now, I don't know what your PJ or anybody else's financial situation is. But if you can find $5 a month and even just one hour a week or two or three hours a week... To watch something different than WWE, <clears throat> I think Ring of Honor is a fine investment. Could it be better? Yes. Should it be better? Yes. It's a darn crime that they charge you extra for the pay-per-views. I mean, I could definitely see charging extra for the pay-per-view. But, like, again, if the whole month of the product, the week of the television, is worth $5, like, it it becomes difficult for me to accept more than $5 additional for the pay-per-view. Like if it was just $5 for the weekly shows plus the backlog, but then it was going to be nine ninety nine for the shows and the pay-per-view. I mean, not only does that make more sense based off of their own pricing, but given what the industry standard has become, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even if you want to feel sorry for them, say, Oh, well, they're the little guys who don't make a lot of money. You got to throw them a bone. Like even at that point, maybe you're saying, okay, maybe an iPay per view alone, standalone, is ten bucks. If you're buying all their product, you're fifteen bucks. You're paying one hundred and fifty percent of the value that WWE is trying to throw at you. Like even that becomes a hard value proposition. Mm-hmm. So, if they were saying, if they, if Ring of Honor said, here's the deal, we we can't afford to charge anything less than nineteen ninety nine a month, $20 a month, but you get every pay-per-view and we're going to make sure we have high quality video. Uh, you get all of our TV, you get our archive of everything like WWE network, which has set the standard for how you need to look at these things. Right. Like it or not, <clears throat> they have, you know, we might even do a couple of random live events at there. We'll have interviews with the stars or we'll do some documentary kind of things. I would consider paying $20 a month to have that ability because I do like Ring of Honor I do like what they're doing the problem with Ring of Honor is they know they are a niche market they've got a rabid fan base they know that those fans will pay money and will go out of their way to you know work for that product and they're happy with that well I mean in all fairness I don't know necessarily given the realities 
of what their product is, I don't think they have the ability to grow beyond that niche anyways. Well, that might be true. They might be kind of stuck there. But it does seem – because even the – you know, I've talked about it before. The, the, the problems with the tapings, they tape so far in advance that – they had, you know, for example, I'm in September. They had All Star Extravaganza, and for the week or two after that show, they couldn't talk about it because they had taped beforehand. Now they did a smart thing; they brought Japanese talents over, so you kind of forgot that there was a pay per view because you're watching guys like Shinsuke Nakamura or Kushida or all of these Japanese stars, and it kind of takes your mind off of it. But they're like, "Oh, make sure you order the replay of All Star Extravaganza. It was a crazy night." And they don't know what happened. And they don't go back and, you know, talk about that. So Ring of Honor has problems. I don't know if they're in a position to fix it. But PJ, here's my pitch. It's $5 a month. You got a lot of old stuff, even just for the old stuff. Don't watch current Ring of Honor. Spend $5 a month and lose yourself in the days of Brian Danielson, Low Key, Christopher Daniels, uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Austin Aries, Kevin Owens, Tyler Black, it's worth it. So even that pitch notwithstanding, you can't possibly make a pitch for $30 a month for those iPay-per-views, right? I'm not making that pitch. I know you're not, but I'm, I'm asking you as a follow-up. Here's what, here's what I would do if, if you're PJ. Do what you and I used to do. Find five friends who also like Ring of Honor. <laughs> Get the pay-per-view. Good luck. <laughs> Get the pay-per-view at somebody's house. Buy some chicken wings. Have some drinks for five dollars each. Watch the pay per view. Maybe that again. If they charge five to ten dollars for a pay per view, there might be some I'd splurge on. All right, Fair. he's not done though with his email. He's got a part two, and I know we're over the ninety minutes limit, but we're pushing. Oh no, we're going crazy here, folks. All right. Also, going back to PJ's email. DC has been talking about watching old FCWs on YouTube, and that's true. I found, randomly, I think I was on Reddit, Reddit Squared Circle, I found a link to a YouTube channel which has Florida Championship Wrestling, former uh, WWF territory from the late 2000s into the 2010s, uh, and it's quite entertaining. And this is more of a recommendation for him. Make sure you watch the three awesome matches between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose from late 2011 to early 2012. The two future members of The Shield were feuding over what we call the FCW 15 Championship, which was a title that was only defended or won using 15-minute Iron Man matches. Enjoy, and thanks for always being awesome on Twitter so dorks like me can talk wrestling. Uh, I can't speak for Doc Manson. I won't call him a dork, but I know I'm a dork who likes to talk wrestling. I will always be there for you to talk wrestling with PJ and anyone out there in the neighborhood. Thank you for your email. Um, Do you have any interest in seeing WWE superstars before they were WWE superstars on Florida Championship Wrestling? Um, It sounds a lot like NXT to me. It It is early NXT. But do you have any interest in seeing that? I I found that I don't have a lot of interest in going back and watching archived footage. Okay. That's that's a totally valid opinion. A lot of people share that. A lot of fans out there uh aren't watching the archives. They're too busy with original programming. I keep telling myself I'm going to watch the Attitude Era and like I start and I'll watch like half an episode and I I I get distracted. It just doesn't hold me. There's something cheesy and I just I can't some of that stuff just hasn't aged 
well for people who don't have nostalgia for it. So when this is the this is the fix for it. When we do DDT daily, when we mm. are a daily wrestling podcast, this we'll, is after we find our billionaire benefactor, correct? We've ta- they've talked about it on AI Pod. If there's anyone out there who is independently wealthy and would like to support us and get as much DDT, whatever topic you want, we'll talk cookies, we'll talk superhero movies. I was really tempted to ask Doc whether or not he was more excited to see uh, Captain America: Civil War or Batman versus Superman. But that's going to be a conversation for <laughs> another day because I'll give you a preview. <laughs> Don't care. We'll have that conversation about superhero movies in, and comic book movies in general on a later show when we don't have this much to talk about. It'll have to be a non-mailbag show. DDTWrestling at gmail.com is our email address. If you want us to talk about superhero movies, send us an email about it, and then we'll have to because you've sent us an email. Um, Once I again, like- thanks to our four best friends from this week, PJ, Rich, Magnum, and Heeltown. Thank you very much, guys, for those emails. Appreciate it. I, I will say this about uh, the FCW, and I will watch those matches, but I have to go in order. I have to go in chronological order. So right now, I'm on episode three. I kind of fell off the wagon because I've got other things I'm working on. Um, I, I think I'm watching a Drew McIntyre singles match, uh, or maybe I'm watching... No, no. Oh, yeah! That guy! No, you know what I'm watching? He's all right! You know what I'm watching? I'm watching a Colt Cabana match. Wow. Because Colt Colt Cabana as Scotty Goldman. And that's the best part. The the most hilarious part of watching FCW is seeing how literally from week to week their entire character changes. So, you know, Nick Nemeth comes out on week one. And he looks like Dolph Ziggler, but he's got a little kind of different thing. And then the next week he's Dolph Ziggler. You know, uh, Jack or Jake Hager is on episode one. He was the FCW champion, Jake Hager, the All-American Jake Hager. He comes out the next week. He's Jack Swagger. Mm-hmm. That that kind of stuff. The nostalgia there. Did I, all I, that happen on the first three episodes? Uh, yeah. I might start watching this. Yeah. I, it, I'll send you the link. It is entertaining. Handsome Heath Miller, baby. Handsome Heath Miller. Did you he- see Eva Marie do the Heath Slater um, guitar riff in that match? I did. I and I was like, what is this? I, I, sign- I, I mean, know. I put it out on Twitter. I was like, since when is she stealing Heath Slater's gimmick? But nobody responded to me. I, I thought I threw that one into the void and it was ignored. But she was totally doing his bang, bang, baby. Yeah, like, I, I, I strumming wasn't, along. I wasn't sure what that was, but there was so much other good things out there that I yeah. I, I, I accepted it. Um <clears throat> It, it's it's entertaining. It's worth your time. Dusty Rhodes is on commentary. That's never a bad thing. Um, let's see. Who else have I seen? I uh, saw Bad News Barrett wrestling as Stu Sanders. Um, mm, she- Stu. Seamus o- <laughs> O'Shaughnessy. I have no idea who that could be. Seamus O'Shaughnessy won the uh, FCW title. So he's the champion. Um I think the tag champions are one of the matadors and some other guy. What what I love about this is I had so much of a lost period that there are wrestlers that literally... There was a wrestler in the new ECW named DJ Gabriel. Never heard of him. Have no idea who this person is, but he's on there. You know, you've got a Fandango before he's Fandango. You've got an Alex Riley before he's an Alex Riley. 
Some of the fun is just literally looking through and going, all right, who the heck is that guy? Oh, I know who that is. So uh, it's worth your time if you get a chance. So you get to watch a lot of these, uh, you know, lower level superstars fail upwards. It sounds exciting to me. Uh, I I get a kick out of it. Uh, that actually does sound very engaging to me. That actually well, and, kind of and, and, and if we're going to get to Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose at some point, uh, hey, you know, it's it's something to consider. So again, when we get to DDT Daily, we can watch all of these things, and then you'll have a reason to watch because we're going to talk about it. So uh, we're, we know you're out there, billionaires. Pay us to talk about wrestling. Please. All right. Please. Uh, I have one last thing because you tell me that I need to do more self-promoting. I'm very intrigued to hear about your ideas for this end of the year show. (laughs) I'd I'd really like to know more about that. We'll save it for another time because we're almost approaching the two-hour mark here on DDT Wrestling. Um, I just think we need to have full transparency. I I think we need to have a show where we talk about even what the categories should be. And I just think... I'm not going to say it's going to be entertainment the full time through, but I I don't know. I think there's there's room for something original in there. Here's the problem. Next week's show has to be the TLC prediction show. Or we could not do that because who cares about TLC? Eh? Eh? Let's put it out to the DDT wrestling audience. Um, if you want us to talk TLC predictions, let us know. If you want us to pretend TLC doesn't exist and instead talk about end-of-the-year categories or other such things, also let us know. If there's enough fans out there that say, I want you to just watch old stuff and talk about it and make fun of it, you and I would be very... Well, we'll rename this again. It'll go from the Neighborhood Podcast to DDT Wrestling to Statler and Waldorf Talk Wrestling. <laughs> because I'm, All right. I'm I'm okay with that if that's what people want. So you tell us, Neighborhood, what you want this show to be. Um, you know, TLC is sneaking up on us. It is literally uh, nine days away. And then NXT TakeOver London is three days after that. So, now that I'm a little more excited about. We could, we could, and, and I think we can do both if we stay on topic and stop talking about food. I really wanted to talk mm, about peanut butter M&M's cookies. and then I remembered it was national. <gasps> national Those are delicious. I had, I had a dish of them here when I sat down to get this whole setup ready for our podcast. I put the dish here. I measured out a quarter of a cup of them so I didn't overeat. And I sat here and I was like, I'm going to start the show eating peanut butter M&M's. That's what I'm going to do. And then, of course, you had to go, you know, eat dinner like a human, and I, I ate all the m All right. I want to talk about one more thing. I'm working on yes. a huge end-of-the-year project. Um, What's that? If you ever read Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine, which I don't think you did, but if you ever read PWI, they had... I'm offended. Did you read Pro Wrestling Illustrated? No. I didn't think so, you son of a... I... Used to read it. I had a subscription. And they had the PWI 50, which were a group of questions um, to kind of give you a state of the business. They did it once a year. They talked about, you know, and they they did some really kind of cool outside-the-box questions. How's your pop filter doing? You enjoying yourself over there? You look like one of those birds, the bird toys. Anyways, nothing funnier than talking about visuals that people can't see. Uh, so they did the PWI 50 and I decided 
I was going to take that on for myself, but I didn't want to just do 50 questions. I had more than 50 questions, so I decided we were going to do the NAI 100. And I started this last year, which is why it's not the DDT 100, Um, but whatever. So I started a list of 100 questions, and I want to do a survey for you, the neighborhood, to fill out. And we'll get some ideas of where we all stand. And there's questions on WWE, NXT, independent promotions, the future of the business, moves, all time. I'm covering it all. And as I'm working on it tonight before the show, I realized it's really going to wind up being 150 questions. Uh, Because there's now nerd categories I want to talk. There's actually, oh, it's not open. There's a question on here. I'm never going to answer these questions. We're going to do it on the show. You're going to answer all 150 no, one I'm going to obstruct. <laughs> that would be entertaining in and of itself. There's going to be one question that says, who is the true host of DDT Wrestling? Is it Doc Manson or DC Matthews? We and all know the answer to that question. If they say it's you, I will go for it, despite the fact that I did all this work. And I'll cry. So I'm working on this. Uh, I wanted to let you know. I've been talking about it on Twitter. Um, the first section, because it's coming out in parts, so you don't have to answer 150 questions all at once. The only person who will have to do that is Doc Manson, because I love him. So mm-hmm. um, the first part's coming out this weekend, folks. Uh, there's certain things we can't talk about because all of the pay-per-views haven't happened yet, but there's some questions that we can send out. So be on the lookout for parts of this survey, year-end survey, coming your way. I'll be posting it. I'll be linking to it. We'll talk about it on the show, maybe, or we won't ever mention it again. I'm excited! Thank you. You're so kind. Mm -hmm. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. All right. Uh, Final thoughts, Doc Manson. We've covered the gamut. I was writing down a list of things that we were talking about, and I I lost track. We did a mailbag. Let's see. Let me sum up. We talked about cookies. We talked about NXT, Adam Rose, Damian Sandow, Monday Night Raw, <coughs> the League of Nations, Diva Storytelling. We debated markout moments. Doc ranted about the ratings. Uh, we talked about Dewey Foley. Um, we did our mailbag. So we talked about Ring of Honor and FCW. We talked about creative and stories and our favorites. We talked about uh, what would happen if IWC existed in the 80s and 90s. Uh, did I miss anything major that we talked about? Yeah, we talked about Asuka. We did talk about Asuka. I enjoyed Asuka and the MVPs of Raw for me, or not Raw, NXT, Asuka and Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. They are the best tag team in pro wrestling not named New Day. In the WWE, NXT. They're the best tag team not named New Day right now. Jordan, yeah, they're fantastic. Jordan and Gable could be called up now and very little would change. It would be tremendous. Uh, so that's my final thoughts is I love Jason Jordan and Chad Gable. Uh, I've been comparing them to the world's greatest tag team, but I'm going to say now they're probably going to be better than Benjamin yeah, and Haas. I think so too. They're, they're, they are fantastic. They're going to be better than the world's greatest tag team. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, thoughts on Oscar? Thoughts on Oscar? Thoughts on the world as a whole? All I can say is I think you were right. I've never wished to be a punching bag more than on Wednesday night. She, she, everything she does works. And I'm just, I'm just sad that she and Emma won't get the chance to main event TakeOver London. I know, right? Because 
they could also deserve it. They could. Finn Be- Very strange to be saying that about Emma, but... I'll say this. I'm probably... More- I like... I like what's, what Emma's been doing recently. The darker I, turn for her character. The, I hate those gloves so much. I oh, they're so focus. dumb and they're great. I, they just... I can't focus on anything else because I'm like, take off the... What, they're, they're just so stupid. Like All they do is like cover her knuckles. <laughs> they're yeah. so dumb. It's not even like they're... Like if they were brass knuckles or something, if she was oh, cheating Oh, they're so good. Them, yeah, they're so good. I, I hate that. I like her better as a heel. I think she's yeah. doing well. Uh but her finisher, though, looks like it hurts her more than it hurts her opponents. I, I noticed that this week. It just looks like her ribs stick out. That's really it. Yeah. She but, could... But I will say this. I am more invested in the Asuka Emma storyline than I am in Finn Balor versus Samoa Joe. I think that that feud... We didn't really talk about this. I'm sorry we're really stretching the show now. That's but, fine. But that feud between Joe and Balor... I'm not super engaged, but it is, I think, light years beyond anything Balor's been involved with since becoming champion. Well, that's true. It's better. It's yeah, better than It's the definitely other. better. All right. I'm no longer true. left at a place where I feel like the women are running the show and there is no men main event. I do still think the women are running the show, but the men's main event is at least at coming around to a respectable place, mm. I think. They just got to find a spot for Jordan and Gable. Yes. Enzo 100%. And Ka- Enzo and Cass coming back to take on the tag team champions does nothing for me. I hear you. So, all right. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it on home. This is the esteemed Doc Manson. You can find him on Twitter, at Doc Manson. Encourage him to tweet more. He needs to tweet more. Tell him to put down the textbooks and tweet more. Someday. My name is DC Matthews. You can find me on Twitter at DC Matthews NAI. Together, we are DDT Wrestling. He's Doc. I'm DC. We'll see you around the neighborhood.